0: Hey guys, this is Rick Godwood, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. Well, we've been talking about different power. We talked about the power of hope and how precious that is. We talked about the power of potential in every human being in here. There is untapped potential. It's what you could do, but you haven't done it yet. It's where how far you could go, but you haven't gone there yet. Once you do it, it's not potential because you've already done it. So everybody has a lot of potential that you're not using, and we didn't want to fall short of living up to our full potential with the Lord Jesus. Today, we're going to talk about the power of God's Word, and next week, the power of the blood of the Lamb and how powerful it is. But we'll talk a little bit about God's Word in this session. The Bible is the greatest book ever written in human history. Other books you read can impress you, but this book, the Bible, will actually change you. It can make you a new creation in Christ Jesus. You know, you can read Shakespeare, Kelly, Keats, Byron Longfellow, but it won't change you. And from time to time, it'll just flat bore you. I know, I had to do it in college. But when you read creation story in Genesis, when you read the miracles of an almighty God leading two million people out of Egyptian bondage after 430 years, dividing the Red Sea, the cloud by day, the fire by night, manna six times a week, all of these things that God gave them for 40 years and not one was sick and their clothes didn't wear out. And mothers would love that for their children. I like to bring that one back, right? Well, you discover when you read that, the God we serve is a powerful, majestic God. So when you read this book, it'll change you. It'll shape you. It'll have an impact on you. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it will it will cause your brain to ignite about possibilities. If you read the Luke of uh, the Gospel of Luke, it's loaded with God's miraculous healing touch on people in dire need. It will encourage you if you're going through a health trauma. Read that. You know, read one chapter. Dear God, a cup of coffee, you can read one chapter. If you need wisdom, Proverbs. One chapter. Smart. It's amazing to me, motivational experts will quote Solomon and quote uh, Bible. They won't say Bible. They'll say, wise King Solomon said. And they they inspire people by the millions. They make millions using what we ignore, our own Bible, the wisdom of God. (coughs) So, you could do a little. A little is better than nothing. I don't care what anybody says. A little is better than nothing. Well, I can't read it an hour a day. How about five minutes? Could you do five minutes? You know, if you went to the gym for five minutes, it'd be better than nothing. But it'll change you. The Bible is an addiction breaker, a chain breaker. It'll help you break habits. It'll break you away from your past. It takes the pain out of death and dying. Yesterday, we did the funeral for Cindy and Dr. Guillermo Rocha's, uh, Cindy's mom, 92, and she passed away surrounded by loved ones, a faithful woman of God, loving Jesus. And I thought in the midst of that, of that service, you know, there, there was joy, there was a little bit of laughter, but there was definitely confidence that this is not the end. This is only the beginning of eternity. We have life after death. And so Paul says, We sorrow, oh yeah, but we don't sorrow like those that have no hope. We don't wail because we are going to be reunited. And Jesus said, Because I live, you're going to live also. So we have hope. We have hope beyond the grave. That takes the gloom out of the grave, it gives a hope that is steadfast and sure. And because he lives, he came back and told the disciples, touch me, feel me. Come on, get with the program, guys. When you die, it's not over. You're going to have eternal life if you come to me or eternal darkness and separation. You choose. It means someday every righteous grave on the face of this earth is going to explode and rise to meet the king of kings in the air. What a great reunion day that will be. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. Hey, we're not home yet. We're not in heaven yet, okay? We're living in the nasty now and now, but the good stuff's coming. So we're going to be part of an eternal kingdom that shall never pass away. How many of you that are at least my age can go back in school and remember nations and countries that don't exist anymore or they've been renamed or geographically changed? Many, many, many. And people and dictators and tyrants and presidents have all passed away and changed. But Jesus said of his kingdom, there shall be no end. The prophet Isaiah quoted that things come and go, the church will not go anywhere. It is a permanent institution founded by Jesus himself. It ain't going anywhere. The word of God, that's your Bible, is our moral and spiritual compass. You want good direction? You want a path for life? God says, read my word. I'll give you direction. I'll give you hope. I'll give you encouragement. I'll give you a little confrontation, and I'll give you guidance. You can't be hopeless if you know that word, and if you don't know that word, you can be manipulated and exploited by, by corrupt people, including ministers, and you'll, you'll believe anything. Children believe a fat man in a red suit comes down a chimney when you don't even have one and <laughs> eats the cookies and leaves presents. Well, that's because they're precious, but they're immature, and when you're immature, you can sell anything, so Christians believe pretty much anything because they don't read the Bible. When Paul, the great apostle, preached to the Bereans, it says, I love it. They searched the scriptures to see if what the apostle was preaching was true. And God commended them for it. Don't believe everything you hear. One speaker got up in a conference I was in a couple of years ago and talked about the 200 million horses of Revelation, people shouting. I picked up my smartphone. You can do it now. How many horses are there in the world? Well, as of today, 58 million. That's a long way from 200 million. You gotta have a lot of horses, and at the price of food, a lot of them gonna get eaten in certain countries. (laughs) That's apocalyptic language, it's not literal. And yet people will, and I don't interrupt, I'm just trying to get you, read your Bible. Don't be tossed to and fro. You got Google now, look it up look it up for God's sake. You can look up just about anything. At least do something besides just accepting anything that falls out of the air. See? You know, a Christian speaker was invited to a secular university to defend the reality of God. Well, he was introduced, and as he walked up to the lectern, he instantly recognized the hostility of the audience. So, he said, I want every one of you students, please, stand up and point north. And hundreds of students stood up, and they were pointing left and right and up and down all over the place. Then he reached in his pocket, and he pulled out a simple little compass. He says, the proof that there is a God, God has created the world with a magnetic field, and it's in the north. And every compass on planet Earth, when you pull it out, is always going to point north. So you don't have to be tossed to and fro. You don't have to live in confusion. You can live with direction in your life that's infallible. God's word is the moral compass for every person and every nation on earth. Excuse me, but if we all really believe the Bible, where did racism come from? Where did prejudice come from? Where did bitterness and unforgiveness, where did nation against nation come from? We don't believe the Bible. They have them. They can even quote something, but they don't do what it says. If you did what it says, we could end our conflict and our strife instantly. That Bible is for black people, white people, red people, and brown people every people that's got a Bible is going to tell you how to treat your wife. It's going to teach you how to raise kids, going to teach you how to do your money, going to teach you how to relate to God. There ain't no black Bible, white Bible, red Bible. It's just the Word of God, and every race do it, and we'll get along just fine, just fine. It isn't a Republican Bible or a Democrat Bible. It's God's Word. (laughs) I'm, I'm venting a little bit, but if you knew what I wanted to say, that, that would finish us off right here. All right. So it's the moral compass for nations. It'll take us back to being blessed by God. The Bible says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to many people. All nations, it says, including America, that forget God will be turned into hell. And I'm suggesting we got a lot of that right now where people are running into mosques and churches and killing people at will. Where life and liberty are being lost because of criminals in the street, unchecked crime, and America's in a mess. Where We've embraced racism, political hatred. It's ripped our nation apart. It's ripped people apart. So God says, I want you to return to the simple principles of God's word. Can I hear an amen? Is that too much to ask? For goodness sakes, the word of God is a treasure chest of unsearchable riches. God's provisions are declared in his promises. There are something like 3,000 promises in the Bible. 3,000 ways God has to bless you. None of them, however, none of them apply to you if you don't know them. If you don't read this book. You can't confess God's Word if you don't know God's Word. And, and I can remember Cindy and I, when we were, we were loyal little Baptist people, loved Jesus, knew we were going to heaven, paid our tithe, taught a Sunday school class, and didn't know dipstick about who we were and what our rights were. And when this one guy did a Bible study for James Robinson over a whole week for the whole day, every day, sitting there making us read the Bible and no opinions, and let it speak for itself, it was amazing. I told my wife, we've been living way below our potential. We are not supposed to be the victim in this deal. So we just took every battle and every sickness and every drama, thinking, oh, that's just the way life is. And then I found out I had legal right. I had power of attorney, to use Jesus' name, and that I could rebuke the enemy. I could pray for healing. It changed our life. It changed our life. Then it put us on Satan's radar, and it'll put you on the radar because now you're a threat to his kingdom. I mean, do you really want the devil to walk up to you and say, Paul, we know, Jesus, we know, Gladys, we know. Who are you? I want to be known in hell. I want to make some difference, whatever I can do. And I tell you, once you know who you are and your rights are, you separate from the crowd of Christianity real quick because you, you have boldness and authority from God's Word because you know what you know. And when Jesus rebuked the devil, he would say, it is written, it is written, get behind me, it is written. And you got to do that with sickness, you got to do it with financial difficulties, marital difficulties, personal addictions or habits or weaknesses. you got to deal with that. Sitting there isn't going to make you free. I, I just want to help you get engaged. This is really not that tough. You can get really good at it. Once you got confidence, it's true. See, are you looking, are you looking for a friend? The Bible says he has, he has a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There'll be times in your life when you turn around, and in some cases, you're in so much trouble, nobody's there. The Bible says if your father and your mother forsake you, that's pretty bad, God will pick you up. Yeah. Psalms 27, verse 10. I mean, how do you, how do you walk into church hopeless if, if you're a believer? See, some of you have been forsaken by a father or a mother, but there's a father in heaven that loves you with an everlasting love. He'll pick you up out of the dirt, cleanse you, make you white as snow. He says, though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them absolutely white as snow. God promises to bury my past, my sin, in the deepest sea and never remember it against me anymore. There is no record of it, right? Get up and get on with life. You messed up. Confess it. Repent of it. I'm sorry. Move on and do that regularly. But you have to know what's in the book and what the contents say to apply them to your life are you looking for hope? David said, why are you cast down? O my soul, hope in God, not the government or administration. Our hope is in God. My hope, I thank God for social security, but my hope's not in social security. Everything the government provides can fail. Nothing God provides can ever fail. For God is the glory and lifter of my head. What does that mean? It means God literally in the translation of Hebrew leans off his throne, puts his hand under your chin, and he lifts your head. He lifts you to say, come on, son, get back in the hunt. I am with you. Run this race. I'm with you. I know the problems you're going through. You keep pressing on. We're going to get this thing done. Endure to the end. Endure hardness as a good soldier. You're going to be victorious in the outcome of this situation. Don't give up. And if God be for you, it doesn't matter who is against you. See, are you looking for real love? (laughs) Well, let's go to joy then. Okay. You're looking for some. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow. I love that because there's a lot of people that got rich and have a lot of sorrow. God says, when I bless you, there'll be no sorrow to it. So it says in his presence is fullness of joy. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. He tells us, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. He says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with thanksgiving. Know ye the Lord. He is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. That's why we shouldn't be quiet when Nate gets the team and they lead us in worship and praise. I thank God I'm alive today. I woke up. Thank you. I'm breathing. I can see and hear. Thank you. I have a job. Or thank you. uh, I have a family. Thank you. I have a roof over my head. Food in my belly. Clothes on my body. And some means of transportation. Although, Lord, that's getting hard at $4 gas. It could be worse. We could thank God we don't live in California where it's six. Yeah, there's always something to be grateful for. Okay. Are you looking for health and healing? God's promises in the Word of God says, By His stripes we are healed. He sent His Word to heal us and deliver us from all of our destruction. Jesus was the great physician. He's still the great physician. He will always be the great physician. When He was on the earth, He healed one-on-one, or He healed in mass. One time he touched a blind man with spit and dirt and made some mud and put it in his eyes so he could see. People sometimes say, why did he do it? Because there was a tradition that was taught in Judaism. It wasn't in the Word of God, but they they believed that the spittle of a firstborn son had healing power. So Jesus just used it. And when he put spit and dirt together and put it in the eye of a blind man, he was witnessing to everybody around in that Jewish community, I am the firstborn of my Father, and I have power to heal anything, anywhere, anytime. Thank God. Thank God. He told his disciples on the day of their ordination back in Matthew chapter 10, go out and preach the kingdom of God. Preach that the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. You know, it didn't take them all day to get it. They went out and turned the world upside down. I think we make church way too complicated. If these dipsticks that didn't even have an education, if they could do pretty good, what's your excuse? We ought to be able to do at least that good. They had doubts. They had unbelief. They had a bit of rebellion in them. They failed many times. But look what God did with these guys look what God can do with you or me. See, all we have to do is get our lives in reasonable harmony with God's Word and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and the world gets attracted to the awesome power that God brings to that church or that people. See, the healer's in the house. God's provisions are in His promises that are in the book look to the Word of God, obey the Word of God, enjoy the Word of God, release the power of the Word of God, and you live a rich, happy, fulfilled life. How about an amen? Yes. And if you fail, repent, receive God's forgiveness, get up and continue on. That's why he died for you, to give you grace and mercy. King David said in Psalms 103, "Bless the Lord, O my soul." He said. Bless, let me pause a minute. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You're going to do what I tell you to do. I don't care how you feel. And all that's anything else in there, you're going to bless the Lord. David's commanding his body. He's commanding his soul. Shake it up. Bless God. I don't care what your day was. I don't care what drama you're facing. The Lord is always worthy to be praised. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And you got to know what are his benefits. They're in God's Word. See, what are the benefits of knowing the Lord? David said, first of all, he forgives all of our iniquities. And the difference between a sin and an iniquity is you, you can commit some sin and not be knowledgeable about it, not know it. But an iniquity is you sin, you know it, you do it anyway. That includes most of us. David planned the murder of a friend because he wanted the guy's wife, Bathsheba, and it got done. He did it. God forgave David, but he extracted an awesome price. God says, okay, Dave, you're not gonna be allowed to build the temple. Now, I'm not punishing you, David, for the 18 wars you fought for Israel. I'm not punishing you for that blood, but you have shed the blood of an innocent man. And for that, You're never going to be allowed to build my temple. But I will let your son Solomon have that responsibility. You have a price to pay, David, but I forgive you. He forgives all. He goes on in Psalms 103 to say, Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. I love that verse. Kindness and tender mercies, especially when you don't deserve it. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. Thank God, who heals all your diseases. All, A, L, L. And the back half of that verse said, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. When an eagle gets old, he has a burst of strength and growth, so that everything he could do when he was young, he can do now that he's old. That means, boys, when your hair goes white, there's still some gas in the tank. Thank you, God. See, is it possible to live with peace in your heart in the middle of a raging storm? Yes. We are living in uncertain times with a lot of constant chaos all around us. But there's peace to be found that transcends any situation you're in. Peace does not come from finding a life with no storms. Jesus said, in this world, you're gonna have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Yeah, it doesn't come from having no storms. It comes from having Jesus in your boat. And you watch storms hit people that don't have Jesus and watch the reaction versus someone who does, who has hope and confidence. See, being a Christian doesn't change what you have to deal with. It changes how we deal with it. Are you looking for the love of your life? Don't raise your hand. Do you want to get married? God's a matchmaker. He brought Adam and Eve together. What a wonderful marriage they had. I mean, Adam didn't have to worry about a mother-in-law. There wasn't any (laughs) mother-in-law. He didn't have to say, Eve, do you love me? And Eve said, well, who else, Sparky? You're the only one here. (laughs) They loved each other. See, there's like 3,000 promises in the Word of God, and each of them brings you and me a provision from God. Now, if you want to find somebody to marry you, first, find somebody is a believer. You know, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. That's true in business partnerships. That's just true in a relationship, marriage particularly, because it's going to have strife. Amos 3.3, can two walk together if they're not agreed? Nope. The second requirement, scripturally, is that the man be a provider. Now, you don't have to be rich. It means he can provide for you and himself. Not he's going to do it. He can do it right now. Girls, don't marry a promise. Marry a provision. Make sure he can do it. Show me, baby. See, this book book is the birthplace of blessing. You and I were born to be blessed. Every person here was born to be blessed. In the Bible, God blessed Adam and Eve in the garden. Well, they broke the covenant, and God had to put them out of the garden, but he provided for them. Noah's generation failed God. That generation was wiped off the face of the earth with the flood. Then God found a man by the name of Abraham, Abram at the time, but he found out I can trust this guy, and he made a covenant of blessing with Abraham. He blessed Abraham, he blessed his children, and he blessed his children's children. By the way, when you and I become Christians, we are redeemed from the curse of our past or our family, whatever that past may have been, I've been separated from it. I am now in the second man, the new man, Christ Jesus. He already judged my old man on the cross in first Adam, the the old man. And I'm resurrected now in the second man, the new man, the Lord Jesus Christ. That means I pass blessing on to my children now. They get to inherit something they didn't earn, they didn't work for, they didn't even have faith for. It's transferred to them. We did a study on building God a house. If you find that message, you'll enjoy it because I track David's kids 330 years into the future. And boy, he had some losers. And some of them were downright terrible. And yet it would say, but God did not destroy him for David's sake. In other words, David's been dead 300 years And God is preserving his seed that long after him for David's sake. Your righteousness, your your favor with God is transmitted over to your children's children's children. I don't want to transfer divorce. I don't want to transfer disease. I don't want to transfer any kind of unemployment, addictions. I am broken from that curse through Jesus. And now I can send blessing through me to my kids. You know, Abraham blessed his kids. Isaac was blessed. Jacob brought his 12 kids to his deathbed. He blessed all 12 boys. And the blessings he gave to them controlled the history of the nation of Israel for the next thousand years. Think of that. King David in Psalms 1 said, Blessed is the man, and this could be woman too, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel, advice, or wisdom of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight shall be in the law of the Lord. That's God's word. And in his law, his word, does he meditate, think about it, day and night. Doesn't mean he's reading the Bible every single moment of every day for crying out loud, but those words of God, those scriptures come to your mind and you think about them. You think about them when you're in trouble. You think about them when one of the kids is in trouble. You've got a financial issue. Something Guess what? Those scriptures come to you. You meditate on them. You think about them. You chew them like a cow chews cud, and it refreshes you. It renews your mind. It gives you hope and strength. You don't fall apart. Most people don't read the Bible. They listen to somebody and believe what he says is the Bible. It's a... Really? I mean... I I love to play with people who get up proudly and arrogantly and make statements. One guy got up and says, now, I want everybody, if you want the zoo anointing, to come forward. I'm going to release the zoo. And I thought, what the heck is a zoo anointing? I'll get naked on the stage if you can find me a scripture on the zoo anointing. Or the triple anointing. There's no such thing. You're either anointed or you're not. You can be greatly anointed or not. But some of this stuff that gets preached is just hype, but it's not biblical. So I want you to be strong in the Word. Then you're not easily shaken. You're not easily intimidated. Nobody can patronize you. Nobody can seduce you. Nobody can manipulate you or exploit you. That's a good thing. See, I want you to think, think, question everything. God's up to that. It's fine. He'll sustain an investigation. He, you know, when he healed the lepers, he says, Go show yourselves to the doctors, the priests. They had to examine you. Go, I'm not afraid. If I healed you, it'll sustain an examination, an MRI, or an X ray. Go do it. Yeah. Do, do you understand that? It's, it's simple. I think it's simple. All right. But people don't read the Bible, and certainly not anytime regularly. So if you don't read the book, then you don't know what God can give you. Read it. Hosea 4, verse 6 says, My people are destroyed. For lack of knowledge. what you, you, The statement, well, what you don't know won't hurt you. Oh, yeah, it can kill you. You better know. You better know. Jesus compared the Word of God to daily bread. He said in Matthew 4, verse 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God's Word. See? Did you ever notice how bread has to be eaten before it helps you? Have you ever read the side advertisements on bread loaves? New, enriched, vitamin A through Z makes your teeth white, your hair black, attracts the opposite sex. Well, I'm exaggerating a little. But if you don't eat it, it won't help you. You are what you eat. Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, and God put them out of the garden, and they died spiritually. So your health, spiritual health, in the kingdom is going to be determined by what you eat. A Holocaust survivor went through Auschwitz. His mom and dad, brothers and sisters, seven in all, were systematically murdered and cremated. He made this statement. He says, the Nazis controlled us with food. He said, I became an expert on telling when a man would die. He said, I've seen a man lay down in a ghetto to die and somebody give him one slice of bread and he could eat that bread and get up and live one more day and then die. He said, the signs of physical starvation were initially irritation about everything. Then you became joyless, then depressed, and then lifeless. Now, Jesus identified the Bible as the source of spiritual nutrition. And when you refuse to read it, you systematically starve yourself to death spiritually. Think about that. Spiritual suicide. First, you get weak. Then you're irritable. Then you have no joy. You're sick in soul and spirit, and then you spiritually just wilt and die. And all of a sudden, you no longer read the verse that said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The point is, when you get to the place you feel the whole world is wrong, it's you, Sparky. You need to change your diet. Stop watching 40 hours of secular television with murder, rape, hate, fake news, and violence. And watch how different your life can be. Get away from negative people. Don't take, you've got caller ID. I know who it is. I'm not taking that call. And don't go to their little parties of gossip. And I'll tell you something you should know. If people talk to you about other people, believe me, the more they learn about you, they will talk to other people about you. Read the Bible. It gives joy unspeakable, full of glory, peace that surpasses understanding, victory greater than your trial, victory that's greater than the giants you may be facing right now, strength to climb the mountain of an impossible situation, strength to carry burdens that you happen to have on you now and give you hope in the midst of your storm. God gives you confidence. He's on the throne, and everything is going to be okay. It's going to be all right. When you read this book, you have a hope steadfast and sure. You can't be easily shaken in your faith because you have the hand of God and the word of God, and you're walking toward the king's perfect will. He that doeth the will of God abides forever. Come on. That which I have begun in you, I will perform it to the day of Jesus. How about a little praise and summit, huh? Get, get a little thank you, God. Thank you. The second sign of spiritual starvation is joylessness. Let me just say, if you woke up this morning and you didn't have your name in the obituary column, get happy. You got a lot going for you. Joyless Christians are defeated Christians. And the third sign of spiritual starvation, depression. Depression's very real. Great men in history, some men in the Bible suffered from depression. But the joy of the Lord drives depression out from you. By the way, we can have a moment of depression. All of us have. But it doesn't rain in my life. I'm not going to, I would never be characterized as a depressed person. Have I ever heard some bad news or faced a bad situation and felt depressed about it? Yeah. Just shook it right off with scripture. Shook it right off, knowing God's for me, he's with me. If he allowed it, then he'll bring me through it. And I don't walk that way, depressed, depressed, depressed. See, you got no life in you. You got no nutrition in you. And you know where you find the joy of the Lord? You ain't going to get it from drugs or alcohol, but on the pages of God's Word. Taste and see the Lord is good. The Word of God is your source. It's my hope. It's my refuge. It's my compass. It's my strength. Last verse, Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Jesus teaching, and he said, Therefore, everybody who hears my words and obeys them, You will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock foundation. And the rain fell. The floods came. The winds blew. Gas went up to $5 a gallon and slammed against that house. Yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears my words and refuses to obey will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came, and the floods came, and adversity came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and it fell. And great was its collapse. I don't know how you get any clearer than that. You you want to know the future? Don't read a horoscope. Don't let some old witch read your hand, palm. Don't stare at the stars. No planet controls my future. God says through Jeremiah, my plans for you are good to do you good and not evil, to give you a hope and a future. I've got to, I don't need a fortune teller to tell me what my future is. I can read God's Word, and you can see the outcome of everybody that faced anything. How many of you would say, Rick, I really don't read the Bible with any regularity. I know it's spiritual food, but honestly, I really don't read it. I know I should, and maybe I should start now. Maybe you got a battle with depression. Maybe you're filled with hopelessness, or you're fearful, or resentful, or you're frustrated, or angry. Well, the answer is in God's Word. I mean, you don't have to sit down and read it an hour. Could you give God 10 minutes, a cup of coffee, and just read a devotion? Read one chapter. Just, for example, wisdom. Wisdom is the chief thing, God says. It's the principal thing. Read, Read Proverbs. And in that book of wisdom, just read one chapter. And something God will jump out at you during the day. I guarantee you, you'll remember something. And then the next day, cup of coffee, read it. It doesn't take five minutes. Or get the Bible app. It's free. That's the Christian F word, free. It's free. (laughs) And it has devotions on there. So you can just get a devotion. They'll give you a verse of scripture and then maybe a paragraph or two, very short, applying that verse helpful helpful for your day that's a good thing to do I'm just saying don't neglect it don't wait for once a week for us to read a scripture in here you got to keep yourself fed during the week you know I'm gonna I'm gonna eat lunch but I'm gonna eat supper and then I'm gonna eat I'm gonna eat lunch tomorrow I'm unless you're on a fast I'm not gonna stop eating because I had one good meal so During the week, you'll face adversity. You'll face problems. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.